I do like having deep conversations with people. And so I was able to reach people that way. And um, I always knew I wanted to build a brand some way or another. I wanted to create something of my own. And I knew that eventually I would need people. I would need a community. I would need someone to help, like people to buy from me. Like at the time it was, I want to build like a clothing brand. And that was like five years ago that I wanted. And so I was like, I want to meet people so that when it comes to actually like trying to build that brand and market it I'll have people who already know me who will you know trust me um and so that thinking was already happening from years before and so now obviously like I never knew I'd start a podcast but when I did I was like okay like there are these people that I could reach out to to come on because they're really cool and they do all these awesome things and that's the thing with being part of the creative space is also people are doing amazing things like people are incredible like I just it blows my mind sometimes to think about the fact that like I've met people in my life that are so cool hello everybody and welcome 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 to another episode of chai with rye hi i'm your host rye and this is my show my baby my jukebox of hidden gems in which i reach out to working creatives in the entertainment food and fitness industry and we discuss all things from life lessons to politics to socialism culture history the digital space and of course the industry itself now like gogglebox if you've ever watched it this show has all the banter but also meaningful conversations too. And I will also list all the information for the guests, myself, the live video version of this podcast in the bio. Make sure to check all that out and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Comment and share us in your TikTok stories or Instagram stories. Share us on the Twitter and spread the message of the show because your support really means a lot. And it gives all of the creatives that are on the show a bigger voice, a bigger hug of life. Today's guest is someone whom I have known for quite a bit, Mithali Dargani. Now, Mithali is the co-founder and the host of the podcast Brown Game Strong, the illustrator known as Auntie Doodles and a multidisciplinary creative at heart for me. Even though she might be listening to this and be like, what? But yes, Mithali, if you're listening to this, you are. And why I say that is because this is what we discuss in this episode. This is such a vulnerable episode because we really dive deep into conversations around mental health anxiety and having that imposter syndrome feeling like you're never good enough and we also discuss things like how the digital space can affect our perspectives on life by chasing this perfect version of ourselves you know what i mean we also get into how brands are built the behind the scenes that no one ever gets to see what the south asian dance space in uk really looks like in specific the bollywood dance industry in the uk we also discuss performative activism and how to own up to your wrongdoings also if i didn't mention this mithali works for deloitte as a tech consultant so we get into how she balances that with her personal life and the creativity, the business, and just sanity. We also discussed my obsession with the Sindhi community, which is just another topic, and that is slightly explained in this. So in that spirit, I will stop myself and get my chair ready, and hoping you grab your cuppers with me too, and let's dive into today's episode. Um, looking through your Instagram, I recently came to find that you are a Coldplay fan which I did not know. And that you love a bit of Harry Potter. I don't know how we haven't connected on this. However, in five seconds, name three movies Madhuri has done with your favorite actor, Shah Rukh. Go! What? Okay, Madhuri. Uh, God, ah! I can't even think. Oh! Ah! Ah! Madhuri, Madhuri, Madhuri. Madhuri and Shah Rukh. Wait, and Jam. Why is that the first thing that came in my head? 
You could have said Devdas. Devdas. See, I told you I'd be bad at this. I'm so bad at thinking on my feet. Go on. I, I came up with Anjam. Chane ke khetme. That is that is a good one. That's a good one. It's so like it's very niche. So I'm, give me two true. points for that one, please. That, okay, okay. Two points. Wait, what house are you? I am a Hufflepuff, unfortunately, according to Pottermore. But I disagree because I would like to think I'm a Ravenclaw. How about you? I got Ravenclaw, but I think I'm Slytherin all the way. Hello. Yeah, I can see that. I can Hello. see that. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> it's the facial place. features. You give me Slytherin vibes, definitely. I'm, I'm, I mean, like personality vibes. You know me. I'm Slytherin. In a beautiful piece that you did for South Asian Heritage Month, the project called Imposter Syndrome. If you haven't seen it, everybody make sure to go check it out. You talk about failure, generational challenges in regards to your family, yourself. And quote, when asked, if I was fair, the interviewer asks you, if I was fair, what would you say? You say, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> With that in mind, list three songs one should listen to when stuck in a hole. Metaphorically, go. Um, Dilse, <laughs> um, Sky Full of Stars, oh, and uh, Crazy in Love. Okay, wait, I have never heard that last one. What's Cradle Cra in Love by? Crazy in Love with Beyonce. Oh, Crazy in Love. I thought you said Cradle in Love. Now that's a song. I mean, that could work, yeah. That is a song. I was trying to think of Lege Lege. I don't know why, <laughs> but that would be my first choice. That is a good, that is a good one. In your podcast, next question. In your podcast, uh, Brown Game Strong, as mentioned before, you have an interview in one of the episodes with CEO and co-founder Akesh Mehta of Fable in Maine, one of his many businesses. Y'all catch up about um, Imperial Days and talk about entrepreneurship. He mentions how he used to sit in his father's meeting and used to learn lessons from them. And it's just a beautiful conversation. So with that in mind, list three spells from Harry Potter. Go! Expelliarmus, Lumos, and Avada Kedavra. Oh! Points, points, points to you. That's the fastest we've done. additional one, Sectum Sempra. Sectum Sempra, if you've uh, listened, uh, if you've read the Half-Blood Prince. Mine is still, um, Totem Locomota. Protect the, protect Hogwarts, man the boundaries. I love that one. Do is that the one duty. that McGonagall does? Yeah, Where she's yeah. like... Yeah, I love that one. It's my favorite thing to say. I remember when I used to work and I used to leave the building and I used to be a manager, I'd just be like, protect the boundaries, protect. And I, it's hilarious. Anyway, it's not about I me. Hope, it's about I me. hope nobody at work realized you were doing this because they mean, would have been they, worried. They do, they do. Um, <laughs> okay. How are you? How's your life <sighs> um, How How is life in Spain? I'm stressed. <laughs> 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 this is like... Um, I so, honestly, like, yeah. I suck at anything to do with games or competitions. So I feel like having survived this was an achievement, but I'm good. Um, <laughs> been at home for three weeks and okay. just loving life, to be honest. Um, don't really want to come back. What about you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's been, um, it's been a hectic week, but it's been a, it's been a good week. Like my mind's been just like all over the base in between like rehearsals and filming. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a it's been a busy week. And that's that's all I have to say. Now my first question to you is that you and I have known each other through thick and thin, short hair or big hair, facial hair or no hair. So in that question in mind, I met you I think when you had long ass 
long as hair. Do you prefer short hair or long hair? So I like both. Um, I alternate between every two years. I just chop all my hair off, and I love it. Like. I think it's just after a while, it's just so much effort to have to wash it and dry it and all of that. So, yeah, well, you I have thick hair, which is what I need to ask you. What is the secret to that? Jeans, <laughs> jeans, mum's dal, roti. I don't know. Do you um, oil? So over lockdown, I did. Um, yeah. And actually, I mean, obviously, I'm going to plug this, but Akash sent me one of his oils for Fable in Maine. And I have been using that actually. And I don't know, is it weird to say? I've not noticed it doing anything to my hair, but it smells bomb. It smells amazing. So um, other than that, I just put normal coconut oil in my hair, to be honest. I'm here with that. I haven't still tried Fable and Main. I feel like Fable and Main is the new Vatica of the South Asian community or the new Amla oil. Um, it's like the elevated, like elite, bougie kind yeah. of Amla, yeah. Did, he, did you ever ask him that question, like off topic, if he ever felt like he was competing with the Vatikas and the, the Amlas? I don't know if it came up, but I'm pretty sure that they are kind of trying to address like a new market. They're trying to bring like Desi rituals to the West. So basically to white people. And I mean, Vatika is not very common among um, non-Desis anyway. So yes. yeah. yeah, I think he's targeting a new market. But having said that, there is no competition because Vatka is the OG and so is Parachute. Parachute was much harder. That is a good one. Um, and then another thing that I didn't write to you in the pre-interview is basically, firstly, thank you for being my 30th guest. Congrats, right, you're doing so well. Honestly. Thank you, so are you, which we're gonna get into. And secondly, um, you're my plug into the Cindy community because you know how obsessed I am. So um, just in case if there's any eligible Cindy's watching this, any Arnie's, um, I'd love to meet you still. Um, it's, it's, it'll just be great to, to meet you. I'll be single for you. I feel like, right, I don't know what this obsession is with Cindy people because like I don't see it personally and no offense to anyone. There's but... no broke Cindy. <laughs> I need to meet a broke Cindy. There are. They just... You okay, you're a broke Cindy is different to a broke normal person, firstly. What does that mean? Like a broke Cindy would be someone who still kind of looks like they're living the life, right? Yeah. Like they just, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I mean, I know too much about the Cindy community, so I can give you the other side of, it, of the story. But yeah, if, that's, mean, if that's your jam, right, I will introduce you. I am the auntie that apparently knows everyone, so I will... <laughs> I'm here for that. Um, for those of you who do not know, quickly in a minute or so, explain to us Cindy's and how wonderful you are and what Cindy people are and why I love them so much. So, okay, in my limited knowledge, I can explain um, that Cindy's are basically, um, we used to be refugees. So our grandparents and like two generations above us, um, they used to live in Sindh, which is now in Pakistan. Um, and so during the partition, we, because we were Hindus, we got kicked out. Um, and then, you know, all of the gruesome stuff kind of happened um, while everyone was migrating over. Um, but then what ended up happening was our, our ancestors didn't really have anything. And so we became very, I would say, kind of focused on making a livelihood for ourselves. And that's why I think that's where the stereotype comes from, of being quite, you know, into our money and jewels or whatever. Um, and that's because that's just you know what we hustled for at the time and 
you know, two generations down, I can definitely say that not all of us have that mindset, I would, probably, but we still perpetuate the stereotypes and still laugh about them. Um, a lot of people do still, you know, are still yeah. you know, living that lifestyle. But um, you and I yeah, both know both know some them. people. You and I both know some people who live that lifestyle. Defo. And love to see it. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what Cindy's are. And we have our own food and our own language, Cindy, which not, not many of us speak, unfortunately. So it is actually a dying culture and a dying language. Um, when you write it, it looks kind of like Urdu. So mm -hmm. yeah, fun fact. Have, do you, you speak Cindy, right? I do not. Uh, I will say random phrases and think I'm really funny. So now that I've been home, I've actually been speaking in Cindy a lot. And my parents are just like, what has happened to you? Because in my family, we speak Hindi. Yeah. Um, but my grandma keeps like WhatsApping me videos okay. about how Cindy culture and like it's dying and we have to learn the language. So yeah, she's, she's cool that way. I love so. like, I've, I don't know if I've ever told you this. When I lived in Pakistan, I've visited Sin. Really? Actually, I've yeah. never visited Sin. So you're doing better than me. I mean, hey, come over. I'll give you my, it's called a Shanakhti card. You get it when you've lived there. And I basically don't need to ever apply for visa for visitation if I wanted to go tomorrow. Um, I can go, but that has also hindered me every time I've gone to the States or go to foreign yeah. countries, that shit always flags up. I was going to say, cause I have a PIO card, which is basically like I used to live in India. So yeah. I don't know if they'll let me into Pakistan, but yeah, hopefully one day. I know you and I have talked about this, that some people have problems if they're Muslim or they're Pakistani or descent going into India, especially currently politically with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't speak for the Pakistan side cause I haven't heard anything, but I'd assume maybe it'd be the same. Yeah, I think it's both ways. But um, yeah. I was going to say, did you go because you were in the hunt for a partner? <laughs> no, <laughs> I did not even know about Cindy's and the power that Cindy's held until I moved to this country. I basically went because my auntie married into a Cindy, a Pakistani okay. Cindy, and they were loaded as hell. So we used to live with our auntie and then we just visited like the extended family from that side. So they own like crops and farms and like, it was like a, a palace walking into one of the, my extended like, yeah. Yeah, oh. you should go to a wedding, go to a Cindy wedding. It will absolutely blow your mind and everything else will just not compare. Well, Mithali, when you get married. Yeah, we'll have to see about whether I'm gonna do a big fat wedding, but I think I'm, I'm oscillating between not wanting one and wanting a massive one. I think we all do, so. Well, we'll see I, where in my head's at at the time. You, you and I shall talk about it in your podcast. I would just like it where maybe you have like a small intimate wedding, right? And then maybe you just have like a party because that's what people want at the end of the day. So have your wedding, get your house, you know, and a couple years later or maybe a year later to celebrate everything, you do a party. Yeah, to celebrate like, I don't know, surviving two years or whatever. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's get into our Chai with Rai deep, meaningful conversation. You have ventures outside of your tech consulting job, which is Auntie Doodles and Brown Game Strong. I want to know since you started this venture, in, did you start both, by the way, in 2019, around the same time, right? Auntie Doodles was in lockdown, so it was June last year, 2020. I want to ask you, since you've started both of them to now venturing into them, what would you say you've learned about yourself? <sighs> so much. I think before I started them, 
I'm really grateful to Brown Game Strong, to be honest. I'm really grateful that everything aligned at the time and that, you know, Asha and I did it together. Because if it was just me, there's no way I would have started something like that. Because I just didn't have the courage. I didn't think I had anything valuable to say. Like, I'm, I've never really been someone who's, like, been in the creative arts from, you know, the get-go. I also feel like, you know, the whole topic around imposter syndrome. I mean, I've always felt like, who's going to listen to me? Like, I'm not very well read. I don't know what's going on around the world. But then I realized there's actually a market for that. There's a market yeah. for people who don't know what's going on. And we all just admit we don't know what's going on. And I think that the podcast kind of started based on that. It was just being being real. And I know that's so like, you know, it's a term that's like so overly spoken about, like being authentic, being real. But genuinely, that's where it came from. <laughs> And when I met Asha at the time, um, we kind of just like aligned on so many things. And it was that typical, like, oh, my God, our conversations are so interesting. Let's start a podcast. How and did you two be? Sorry to interrupt your thought. We met on Instagram. We were just uh, Insta friends, like fangirling on each other. And then, yeah, and then it just kind of was born from that. And I'm so grateful that it was like a kind of dual effort at the time. Um, because honestly, there's no way I would have done it. And I think it eased me into it. And then Auntie Doodles kind of was a completely separate thing. I did not expect to start a new page for it or anything. It was just, I'd always been really intrigued by art. And um, there are quite a few artists out there that I really admire that have been doing um, digital art for a while, especially in the South Asian community, like Bobby the Painter, um, you know, hate copy, and then ZHK Designs, who was on yeah. the podcast as well. I was totally screaming and fan when <laughs> she was on. Um, but these are people who kind of have pioneered in that space, and you know, they've they they're so talented just naturally. Yeah. Um, and I would never consider myself an artist. I would just say I illustrate, and I've taught myself how to do it, and anyone can if I can. And so it's kind of very much that thing of like. I'm just dipping my toe here and there. And what I learned from these two ventures was literally, A, like people are supportive and there will always be people who really back you. And you'll really find out who those people are, you know, who are always cheering you on. And it's so lovely. I mean, we always talk about, oh, you'll find out the haters, you know, you'll find out everyone who like really secretly hates you. But you also on the flip side, find out people who secretly admire you or like, you know, really follow your journey. And I, I I try to see the positive in it now. It just taught me that I can start something if I really want to. And um, you don't need, you know, years and years of uh, training and experience. Obviously, that all adds up. And I think there's a space and a niche for that as well. Um, but if you are really interested in something, just go for it. Start yeah. it, you know, shout about it. Like, <laughs> tell the world that you, this is what you're starting. And, you know, I cringe every single time I advertise something that I've worked on on this page. Because there's a lot of friends here and there's people that, you know, obviously I've known through walks of life, through uni or whatever. I'm just like, they must think I'm crazy. Like, they must think, what the hell is she talking about? Like, talking about South Asian, like, experience so much. Like, get over it. Um, But I feel passionately about it. It was my experience and it was how I grew up. And so, you know, I think that's kind of turned into these channels of um, expression. And I think everyone has some form of creativity in them. We just have to kind of tap into it. Even when I go out on walks with you and when we meet for like food and things like that, we talk a lot about mental health. So I think, I know it's a personal question to ask, but it just popped into my head, which is like, how are you in that sort of aspect today? Like, where do you sit? I think everybody has mental health. And if they didn't, then after COVID, they definitely have (laughs) um, experienced it in some form. And 
I've definitely had my ups and downs with it. Um, right now I'm in a very good space. I did therapy at the start of the year. I'm super open about it as well because I feel like it's so, so like key that we mm. don't kind of hush hush about it. If we can, True. if we are comfortable talking about it. Obviously if we're not comfortable, that's fine. But I honestly have, I think now I'm in a space where Obviously, I'm really like fortunate that um, I've taken measures to take myself out of certain situations that were triggering me, mm. um, which like late 2020, I was in such a bad place. And I just kind of made decisions for myself, um, you know, to take breaks. And I've taken a longer break um, this year from just the stresses of life and work. And it's been so important um, yeah. for me. And so right now, obviously, I'm just completely numb. I don't feel anxious. I don't feel anything. I feel great. I wake up yeah. every morning and I'm just like, the world is a beautiful place. <laughs> obviously, it's not uh, every single day. But um, it's, a, it's a journey. It's a work in progress. And um, I think what's really important is just trying to recognize it when it happens, um, you know, when you're in a dark place and yeah. letting yourself feel it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. maybe telling someone about it if you feel comfortable mm. with someone that you yeah. trust so important like I think it's it's just really important to have those pillars in your life that you know won't judge you and that you can just go to when you're feeling really dark yeah. um and then therapy like um if if you know if you have the financial means to do it then I think everybody could benefit from speaking to a professional I don't think you have to be in a bad space mentally yeah. and when I did therapy I was actually feeling fine at the time um I signed up to it when I was like not great and then when I started it, I was actually okay. But then by that point, I was actually working on some of my triggers, my tendencies, understanding what it was that was taking me to, to, to that dark place and trying to just change my habits maybe and um, recognize when I'm kind of getting there. So I think, yeah, right now, great, but maybe not so great in a few months time, it will be okay. I think um, what's really nice, weird to say, but it's nice having gone through ups and downs in the past because I recognize things now when they happen. I, I kind of notice patterns in my mental health. And mm. when I'm sort of, everything's just like, I've lost control of my life. You know, I'm getting up, I'm not yeah. showering or like, I'm not doing the dishes for like three days and stuff like that. Like, I just don't want to do anything. I don't want to talk to yeah, anyone yeah. or reply to WhatsApps. And when I see myself going into that space, I'm like, okay, right, reset. Like, you know, let's, let's kind of try and gently ease ourselves out of this, so. I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> no, it does. I think, well, I'm just going to ask you this question before we move on. Do you think, I mean, firstly, I'm just going to point this out. I think, agree to disagree with me or not, but um, I think lots of people think therapy costs. There are lovely charities out there. Um, if you look into them, I recently went through a charity as well to get a counseling session. So yeah, just know that there are tools out there. The second thing I want to say is, uh, having gone through that myself, I now am at a space where I think I'm okay with being in the dark space. Do you think you're okay? Because there's lots of people that say you should take measures to not get there or you should you should accept it. Like what sort of philosophy or mindset are you in? Like, are you okay if you get to that space? It depends what the space is. Yeah. So I think if it's, a, if it's a low space where you're kind of just like feeling dull and heavy, um, I can live with that. But when I, when I get anxious, I get so tired. I mean, mm. I, I used to wear a Fitbit and um, I set it to like, oh, yeah. it, it would, it, so it would basically like buzz every time uh, my heart rate had gone up 30 minutes. And I remember I'd had a really stressful day at work and my Fitbit started buzzing and I'd been the whole day, but it was 
buzzing. It's like, oh, congrats, you're yeah. exercising. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm anxious. <laughs> it was it was really just horrific and um, but yeah that that's basically it. so i yeah. get tired when i'm anxious so i don't like it let's switch gears and let's talk about dance the thing that brings us joy and the thing that stresses us out do you remember where we first met i asked you this question i want to say it's out of work i know how we met do you want me to tell everyone i think we met either at a B-Funk workshop or at a Chase workshop and either of, either of those workshops I don't think I made a good impression because I don't make first good impressions I'm a dick I'm a complete I dick I didn't like you I didn't like you right and I don't really <laughs> like people I try to basically what happened was um, you were running that workshop through Absolute and yeah. um, I turned up and like didn't know anyone um, it was quite nice but I uh, obviously like we were about to enter the studio and I introduced myself and I was like hey I'm Natalia you're like hey cool two seconds later Chase walks in and you're like hey Chase and then you like introduced him to everybody and then when you came around to me you were like oh I don't know who she is and I was like I'm Natalia I just met you two seconds ago <laughs> like this guy's a dick and then since then we've just become friends I don't know I guess that's how the best friendships happen right you just yeah. hate each other or um, you don't know who the person is in your case i mean true to be honest with you i know you interviewed nisha and i was a dick to nisha the first time i met nisha so uh, if you ever ask her like i was a literal complete dick to her so that is i think that's one thing that the dance industry does like it 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 makes you sometimes when you get into companies there's this mindset that is said that you're the best you're the best product out there so if you look to this person like this person is like this or their company represents this or if you meet a dancer outside this is that um so i definitely had to work through that but we're going to talk about dance firstly tell me this how is your relationship with dance today <sighs> okay i love this question because i think dance is just it's my meditation and I always say this, it sounds really woo-woo, but genuinely, <laughs> like, there are very few things in life that really get me in a state where I'm completely in the present. And, you know, I spoke about how, like, I was in a really low place last year. Um, I read this book called The Power of Now. And, you know, I'm sure some people have heard of it. Um, also very cliche, but genuinely, <laughs> genuinely, it changed my life. But normally these books don't. But this one, because it just kept hammering in my head that you have, like, it's only the present that exists. The past does not exist. The future does not exist. It's just right now. And none yeah. of us live in the present, like hardly ever, unless yeah. you're, I don't know, doing some kind of high adrenaline junkie kind of sport, and then you're living the present. Or if you're dancing. So for me, that's what dance is. It just puts me in a space where I can't feel anything negative. I can't see the past or the future. I'm just there doing that thing. And honestly, um, you know this probably even better than I do like so sometimes in class environments when you're dancing it's not fun right you're you're kind of like really on edge like oh, oh I look so stupid look at that person they're smashing it blah blah but when you're doing that dance for the 30 seconds you're not thinking about anything you're just doing mm -hmm. it you're focusing and you're like I want to just live in the moment so I think my Sasha fears comes out when I dance and sometimes I look really stupid and that's why I would say like you know people probably like think like what the hell is she doing but actually i'm living so jokes on you <laughs> <laughs> um let's quickly get because i don't know your um other than Im is imperial how you started and then you slowly got into it or you were dancing prior to because i know in cindy balls like having assisted in one of the cindy balls that that is a massive thing 
of the community. So like, just quickly, like brief me, walk me through your journey. I know you did um, Kathak intensives as well, and you've done like heels stuff, and you, you regularly trying to go as many classes as you can. But yeah, let's just quickly talk about your dance journey. Okay. So as every Sindhi kid, I started off by dancing in the volleyball. And so <laughs> once a year, we would make this massive, it would be like the biggest deal in the world. You'd start rehearsing a month before, you'd like go get all your outfits and like jewelry and everything. It was like a whole thing. You were like so proud of it. Nobody's watching the actual- They're production. Cindy balls are a production. <laughs> they I would, are. I, they are production. They are, but people are generally bored during them. Like they're not great. Like the actual like talent, I mean, obviously we're kids, so you know, it's fine. But um, obviously everybody walks on stage thinking they're like, the bee's knees they're like oh yes I'm going on and you're like five years old and like basically just like wiggling your arms around a bit um so that was my experience and I loved it so I did a few of those and then I used to dance in my room and I remember I'd shut all like I'd shut the blinds I'd shut my door and I'd just like put like I think it was dildo bagalha and I have I, I bet like very clearly remember it was like dolna it was um legay legay um, I used to dance to those. I think I just had that one cassette that just kept playing. And so I just lived my best life, you know, I thought I was Karishma. And, um, and I'd honestly like never thought that I'd end up doing the things I do now. Never thought I'd have the opportunity to. But then I moved to London and um, discovered like Bollywood dance, Bhangra, started competing in that. I wasn't great at it, but I loved it. And like, that's all that mattered, you know? And um, there were people that genuinely blew my mind that some of the people who were in the same team as me had been like training since they were like five because they'd grown up in the UK and they'd had these opportunities. Whereas I was kind of just like this bedroom dancer that's just like there, you know, like just thinking like, whatever, how, what am I even doing here? Um, And then when I actually, I had a bit of a break after that. I had to leave the Bangar team because it was taking a toll on my uni studies I would I would have failed my degree if I had continued that so I had to stop and it broke my heart because I knew if I'd done that extra year I would have gotten a lot better but I I just knew what I had to do and I was like you know my degree is the reason I'm here Mm. so I think dance was always like it was never like number one priority Um, whereas I saw other people really making it work they would make everything work around the dancing Um, And then I joined a company when I started working and um, that was a very interesting experience because it was very, very, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but it was, it was hardcore. And that's what a company is like. Right. And I'm so grateful to it because I think that set the standard for me. I was like, okay, so that's what it's like being part of a company. Great. And you're not always like spoken to well, or you're not always treated the best. Right. But that's just how it is in the industry. And, you know, everybody goes through that rite of passage. Um, so I ended up kind of moving away from that. Now, I just live my life. I just go to training. Um, you know, I take loads of classes. I do whatever I want and I love it. And I, funny that you mentioned Kapak. So I did a course of 10 weeks with Sushma Didi. Mm-hmm. And um, she is so lovely, um, but I was completely out of place. So all the other girls were like rocking up with their Kapak outfits and like really, they'd been training for a while. Whereas I'm there just like learning the basic um, you know, what are they called? So the like, thrust. you do like the thals as well. And yeah. that. so I started by learning that and it was so basic. Um, I never went back to it, but I'd love to. I think that's what I'm lacking. I'm lacking some sort of like foundation still. 
Um, but having said that, I mean, I've done heels recently. I've been like doing Bollywood for a while, which is not really like its own style. It's a mishmash, but basically just following my heart. And um, yeah, that's my journey. <laughs> what I think we're going to talk about this space, actually just talk about it now. I, you and I have had this conversation about there, there are three I'd say two types of, not three, two types of artists or dancers in the South Asian space, especially within the UK that I have been exposed to. Mm. One are like people who like are, are just working in the industry, right? And then there are some who, who sit into this gray space, who, who have full-time jobs, studied something else, and then do have careers in dance some who are teachers, some who are choreographers, some who are dancers within companies, some who are just freelance dancers. I, I used to be very, very weirded by that. And you and I have conversations about it. And I think you've helped me immensely see that side. But what would you say are the pros and cons of those dancers that sit into that gray space? And a lot of, some of those dancers, if I'm correct in saying, don't have a foundational or a discipline in South Asian fundamentals, be it classical or folk. And I ask this from pretty much all of the dance people or people who have experience in dance. Do you think people within the dance South Asian diaspora that they should have a fundamental, be it folk or classical, that are dancing today? What a loaded question. Basically, <laughs> um, um, obviously I can only speak about it from that gray space and yes. I'm not a full-time dancer and I've actually very interestingly stopped calling myself a dancer like it's nowhere on my bio or anywhere I took it off because I was kind of like that's just a very personal thing I, I don't yeah. by any means like judge anybody I feel like we're all dancers in our own right um, but my journey with it has been quite up and down especially through lockdown and so I would say that I think there is definitely a space for um, people who are in that gray space. And I think even within the gray space, there's lots of different types of experiences. So yeah. there are people who have trained like since they were kids, but then they are doing something else full time and they just do dabble, you know, in and out of dance. Mm -hmm. And I think they're like a lot more established and trained than say myself who grew up, you know, in my bedroom, just like copying uh, moves from the TV. I think that not everybody, personally, I would say not everybody needs like a, Indian classical foundation, um, but having a foundation helps. And so, uh, you know, in the five, five years that I've been kind of training semi-professionally or freelancey or whatever I do, um, mm -hmm. what I realized is I sense the lack. And anytime I speak to friends who also don't have that, um, either hip hop training or jazz or contemporary or classical Indian forms, we all say we feel that void in our training. And it's because we are, we are doing the same routines as the people who have had that training. And we can sense, I can sense in my own movements that, you know, my lines aren't as clean and my nakra um, is not as like eloquent, like uh, delicate or like coy, like you said, when we, you know, when we, when we collaborated and we were like, guys, you're not coy enough, come on. Um, food, food, food. <laughs> And so I personally feel like I would really benefit from that. I can't speak for everybody, yeah. um, but I'd love to hear your take on this as well. Um, I don't this know if you discussed it. Get me oh. on Brown Game Strong and we'll discuss that. <laughs> love it. Shameless plug. Yeah. Guys, you're coming on. Brown you're Game coming Strong. on. Don't worry. Every every um, time I see Nathalie and we're in a club, I like, plug I would come all and three channels at, at MDRAG, at Auntie Doodles, at Brown Game Strong. 
<laughs> go follow all channels i i will forever be auntie doodles for you now right <laughs> yeah auntie do describe to me your ups and downs of dance if you want to share it or just a brief overview what would you say are some of the you've talked about the highlights and how it makes you feel but what are some of the things that get you into that space where dance isn't so great and what are your thoughts on the south asian dance space before we move on to the south asian creative space which you're now a part of the south asian digital creative space I know it's crazy. I actually can call myself a creator now. Um so I think there are loads of aspects to uh not dance in its purest form but actually just being part of a community which mm. I feel like being part of any community you'll have um kind of those weird friction uh things that happen right. So what I've experienced within this community and and you know for anyone who watches this who's in it probably already knows this way before I even say it. But there is a lot of emphasis put on looks. for example mm. so like looking a certain way fair skin pretty face thin body defined that is what you know gets put front and center that's just yeah. how it's seen and i unfortunately like i don't think it's completely gone away even now like even after covid and everything i mean there's so much like body neutrality everywhere there are so many incredible dancers that don't fit that stereotype that are doing amazingly but yeah. i still think and i was thinking about this before i joined this call things like even like instagram algorithm i feel like it favors uh, people who fit that stereotype right so if you go on tiktok you'll see tiktok dancers who are like basically replicas of kylie jenner um <laughs> who are just doing that like what is it like this tiktok movement and they go viral there's such a science to like virality as well uh, mm-hmm. like it's actually in statistics they all explains how things go viral Yeah. And it's because certain things are just pleasing to the eye. So it doesn't matter how much how well you dance technically, how clean your moves are, you know, how many years you've been training for. If you look good, you will get popular. Yes. And it's really sad that this is kind of the the world that we're in now. Um I've struggled with it personally 100% where, you know, I've seen people in the community or in class and I've just thought, "Oh my gosh, they look amazing." But not even that, but they're doing the dance really well too so it's like yeah. double whammy and then i just leave feeling like oh my god shit I, i was so bad or you know i wasn't good enough and you know like i've started working out but i realized that we're all different and and i'm not going to look like someone else right That's i'm never I, i can only look like the best version of myself whatever that mm. i want that to be mm. and you know i i just i own it now i'm like own yourself people just do your thing right Yeah. carve your own path and yes you may not go viral because the algorithm is unfortunately just <laughs> geared you. towards people who are light skinned and whatever but at least you'll be happy and you'll get recognition um over time i think time is such a big factor like when you're consistent mm. when you are a good person when you treat yeah. people well when you're honest and you try to be as genuine as possible and yes. genuine to yourself say that one more time genuine. i mean there's no stopping you there yeah. really isn't There you go. Question before we move on from dance. BA choreography company classes projects that are coming in from the outside perspective or collabs or things like that. What do you think right now is lacking for the South Asian dance community and what do you think is working within the South Asian dance community? I think what's lacking a little bit is um it's equality. It's um giving everybody a fair chance. And yes. I feel like even now we're in a space where if you're already quite popular, if you're already quite famous, people want to work with you. Um you know, if you put out loads of content, people are like, "Damn, this person's good." I have friends who are incredible dancers who don't put out very much content. 
and I've known them for years and I'm just like like the perception right. is so skewed you know it's just like they're not getting the same opportunity or again going back to like the physique maybe like certain people don't fit that like exact cookie cutter shape and so they're not getting the opportunities and I think there's a lot of conversation about collaboration which I agree uh, is happening it's getting better but I still think people aren't 100% keen to collaborate very genuinely even now I don't know it's something I felt where people aren't you know like I said like not giving everybody a fair chance or not mm. noticing everyone it's always like the same names that keep coming up it's the same people and it's generally people who are already quite out there and maybe there's loads of reasons as to why um, that is and you know they are obviously amazing but it's just I don't see that playing field being even and what's become even harder after COVID is the fact that now suddenly like we know you know, dancers across the Atlantic. We know like yeah. all the dancers in America, we know the dancers in India. So it's suddenly like, wow, like, am I even going to stand out ever? Like, am I ever mm -hmm. going to do something that's worth watching? Because there are people who are so amazing and, you know, like all the attention is on them. So yeah. I think um, whenever I'm trying to think about putting out a new piece of content, I've had, you know, the concept in my mind to create a project um, solo, which I keep putting off because I'm just like, it's going to be shit. It's going to be shit. And I'm like, no, I just need to do it. Like, I just need mm. to. It doesn't have to be perfect because done is better than perfect. Yeah. Cliche as that sounds. <laughs> but yeah, and what is good about the community, I would say, is that it is getting there. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot more collaboration now than there was probably five years ago. I think I'm seeing a lot of collaboration among companies now, um, which, you know, I think on the surface seems like a really great idea and it's something I've not seen done before as much. So yeah. And people generally are like a lot nicer. I don't know, like everyone's really nice in the community, at least like when you talk to them, yes. um, people are quite supportive and stuff. So I just think it's like a, it's a work in progress. We could always be better. And let's move on to Brown Game Strong. Now it came around in 2019, you and Asha started, okay? Then I love, by the way, the single episode, which is like an update. I was like, um, it was, um, it was an, um, agreed between Asha and I, by the way. <laughs> Where does the name come from? Because I couldn't like hear where the name came from. And how are you finding the change now? Because you haven't talked about it. How are you finding? since it's been a while since Asha hasn't been a part of the show but like yeah how are you finding it now how was it when you started it all of that jazz and then we're gonna get into the creative digital space all right so Branding Strong um was we were brainstorming at the time and we were just like oh like playing around with well <laughs> we were both brown we were both brown yeah so we had to put brown in it right <laughs> I mean I've had my um my ups and downs with the word brown and I definitely thought back to it now and thinking oh I, I wish I could just change it all now because I don't really want to focus just on brown or like the color brown um but at the time it was a play on words on eyebrows so you know how you have brow game strong so we um... just were like oh brown game strong like that works really well and both of us have relatively thick eyebrows so you're we just like we kind of used that and capitalized on it so now what brown game strong means and i always ask all my guests this um it's what you have strong game in so i bring on people who have just strong game and stuff like we all do um and they just happen to be part of the desi community um abroad so it's focused on the diaspora 
Um, but there are listeners in India too, and we try to kind of just bring about new experiences because what I found, and I think this answers one of your questions. Um, so at the start, the podcast was very much just two gals just chatting, talking about body hair and all the stuff that I love the waxing situation. I was here for it, and then the, the aunties waxing. judging and like body all of it. Image, all of it. All of it. I mean, I have a mochi right now. I don't know if you can see, but yeah, it's great. I love it. Love my life. Um, I actually embrace the hairiness now. But I mean, we had hair in parts of your body. You're not, I mean, it's not socially acceptable in Spain to have hair, like all over your back. And you I've heard, yeah, I had hair on my back. Um, I had to wax it. Okay, funny story. So I would go to a waxing lady here in Spain and I'd get my back done. And on the receipt, it says, men's back wax because they don't even have it as an option for women like that's how bad it was i was traumatized but anyway um i embrace it now and i don't even Sorry. care <laughs> yeah exactly that's men's... evil that is evil <laughs> this was like 10 15 years ago things have changed now a little bit oh. i'd like to think um so yeah we had conversations about just everything but what we realized was i think we got in there at the right time because there were a couple of podcasts out there talking about this stuff already and they were very well established i mean no this was like two years ago um in the south asian community and talking about these issues there were a couple that were really well established and i didn't see very much in the uk um and so i was kind of just like yeah let's go for it and then lockdown happened and it all blew up. And so at the same time, um, Asha then said uh, she'd like to focus on her modeling more and because she's full time, you know, um, self-employed. And it's different, right? When, when it comes to obviously thinking yeah. about making money and stuff, because we weren't making very much money with the podcast, whereas I didn't have to worry about it because I had my salary. And so for her, it made sense to kind of step back. And so then I had a choice of whether to just let it, you know, end there and then and we just have our six or seven episodes and that's it. Or we could give it a new identity. And um, both of us agreed that it would be a good idea to give it a new identity. And um, I was, I'd already had some practice with editing and stuff. So I was kind of like, okay, I can maybe take this forward. Oh my gosh, I was terrified, right? I tell you like how terrified I was. I mean, a podcast is a lot of work and you know this, you right? You plug and I, it. What is it that you anchor, anchor what, every episode? Nice. Anchor FM, yeah. So yeah. actually, um, it's a little um, snippet that I get paid for every episode. Sometimes, <laughs> every time someone listens to that bit, oh. um, it's like the tiniest amount of money. But yeah, um, so yeah, Anchor's really good for anyone who wants to start one. Um, but I think I was just like, what am I going to say that people are going to want to listen to? Yeah. It was that whole thing again of like, I'm just one of the people, like I'm not special in any way. But then that's when we agreed that actually we've always wanted to bring guests on. This is a perfect opportunity. I'm sick of talking about myself. Uh, nobody cares about me. So let's bring guests on. And it was a great opportunity to A, make friends, which yeah. I'm sure you feel this as well. Like you really connect with people, you know, across the world. Yes. Um, and just hear different stories. And you know what? Just put little nuggets forward for the audience to just pick up from and people get inspiration from like the randomest things that you don't even realize you've included as part of the episode. Um, and you'll get it as feedback. They'll be like, Oh, I really liked that bit. And I'll be like, I didn't even realize, you know, until you said it. So it's amazing. And honestly, it's such a blessing to be able to bring these conversations forward. And I realized I really love um, asking questions and interviewing. So I get a high from it. Like I could be so tired and by yeah. the end of a recording feel completely energized. Like I've had times where it's cured my hangovers. And um, okay. 
it's like dance, you know, it's like, again, yeah. it's that feeling of euphoria being in the moment. And unlike you, I don't really prepare much. <laughs> so Stop it. Going, yeah, it's so bad. Genuinely. I feel like you do. I mean, high level, but not not like I don't write stuff down that much. And um, it's not a good thing, by the way, I need to be better at actually preparing more because I feel like I blabber a lot. No, I think it's very, um, for those of you who haven't listened to Brown Game Strong, I, uh, I would highly, highly tell you to, to listen to it. It's very conversational, I would say. It's a very conversational chat and there are trailblazers on there and there are lots of nice people on there who talk about a lot of things. What would you say your, your interview style is? And I've asked you this when we were sitting in Hampstead Heath looking at dogs whilst a dog near us was peeing. But yeah, what would you say your interviewing style is and what fascinates you about getting a guest on second question and thirdly actually no third question i'll come about because i really want to talk about logistics of running a show a podcast where you have to get people on and constantly sometimes being told no being compared to certain shows and things like that so we'll talk about that in a bit but um yeah let's talk about the first two okay what is my podcast in style so i think like you said it's very conversational it's very feeling based so i'll yeah. just constantly say things like oh you know what but i really feel like blah 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 and <laughs> I think I thrive with that because I am a very emotional person and I would say that I am quite an empath. So I can kind of connect with how the other person is feeling. And I think naturally I have had this feedback a few times where people are like, you ask good questions. Like you're always listening to what I'm saying and kind of bouncing mm. off that the Agreed. way that you're doing with me. Because I care, I guess, like I just naturally care about people feeling okay and comfortable. Um, and so I think my, my style is just very emotion, like, yeah. <laughs> Feeling like. start is very emotion. <laughs> emotion, yeah, we like it. We like it. It makes people feel stuff. Like one of my friends, um, she was having a pretty crap day at work, and she was like, "Oh, I, I just put your podcast on, and I felt better, like on the drive home from work." And I was like, <sighs> "That is the nicest is, I, I, thing, right?" And and you don't do it for that. Like I'm not no. there being like I want to impact everybody's life, but I'm just doing it because. I enjoy it and I feel like I have the means to. Yeah. Like I know how to edit episodes now and stuff and so why wouldn't I? But having said that, I'm very, very sporadic. <laughs> like I'm not consistent with my podcast at all because it's so much work, especially when you do it alone. Um, so I've got help now a little bit with like um, creating the artwork for the posts, like the Insta posts and stuff. So okay. I recommend don't always try and do everything by yourself <laughs> because unless you're zoe who doesn't want an intern and she wants to do everything herself because she's all about I mean, that that's the other thing though it's like having the means to so right yeah. now i feel really fortunate that after covid i've been able to save an amount and i can actually invest a little bit back because when we started the podcast all we spent was 50 quid and it was on the microphone and we split mm. it between us two and that was the only cost we had and i think we we had like a shoot done like a professional shoot um apart from that it was free to create and so yeah it was it's i don't know like yeah just make it work however whatever that yes. looks like for you. a lot of the conversations are done over the phone though and like on zoom yeah. and things like that um is the natural evolution of the show going to be like in person like getting this attaining a studio and things like that i'm assuming that would be the next goal right Oh my God, imagine the dream would be like being on like BBC or something and having my own show. <laughs> never say never. Um, but I think, I think it works really well now, just yeah. with regards to my lifestyle. I can fit it in anywhere. I don't need to worry about commuting. Sorry. But also when you have a guest, um, when you have a guest in person, obviously you want to like make sure that they're getting food and water and all that stuff. So it, it becomes a whole event. 
Yeah. And I don't think I'm quite there yet. I'm not fully ready to do it. And um, I don't really have like the equipment because right now I literally just use, I have a microphone, I have my headphones, my setup's really easy. Um, and then obviously hiring a studio space. So then it would require a bit more of an investment. Yeah. And I mean, I have a whole other conversation about like how there's podcasters now who are loaded because they've just realized that podcasting is a great thing to do yeah. and they're investing tens of thousands of pounds on equipment and our little baby podcast <laughs> runs on like no money it's just like oh my god no one's gonna listen to me this is again where like the um whole thing comes about where i'm like i don't do this for the listeners to be honest i mean of course i do it for the listeners but i don't do it for the numbers yeah and it was something that we said when we started off and i said you know what, even if 20 people listen to that, think about how many people that is in a room, 20 people in a room listening to you. That's a big deal. Yeah. But why is it that we live in a world now where it's like, oh, I only got 20 likes or I only got 20 listens. That's so crap. It's like, no, that's 20 human beings. You've just impacted. That's insane. Like, yeah. don't forget that. I guess it's fine as Zoom for now, but I'd love to do it in like in person one day. Let's talk about the logistics of actually owning two businesses and the logistics of when you have to get guests on the mm. nose like the sanity aspect of it how you deal with that the editing balancing that balancing your tech job balancing relationships balancing family friends like how yeah how do you <laughs> function <laughs> palpitations just thinking about it <laughs> No, so, but in regards specifically to the show, I don't think like it, it'll be great to enlighten the structure of of the show. Like we, I think if I'm correct in saying you and I, though we have connections in the industry, we don't have a PR person. We don't have an assistant person. A lot of the times we message people and a lot of times people don't respond. And sometimes it is sad because, yeah. And then like editing takes a while. And yeah. I'm, Actually, this is interesting. You're educating me. I don't make any money from my streams. Yeah, like, let's just talk logistically. And patterning. Patterning both Auntie Doodles and Brand Game Strong. Wow, okay. So, um, with regards to firstly managing everything, um, I think it's an illusion. And we'll probably both agree that, you know, we're probably lying in bed a lot of the time just questioning life. And, you know, on social media, obviously, like, it's a different story because we only post um, at certain times. But when you look back at the compounding effect, so you look back at like, for example, you know, when you were um, looking me up to ask me questions for today, you yeah. must have seen like lots of different things that I've done over the years. But actually, like they have been very spread out over time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like I don't run everything at once um, when I'm doing my full time job. I mean, I try to focus on that most of the time. I try to think of it as priorities. I'm not always very good at this, by the way. You but have your whiteboard. I have my whiteboard. So I try to kind of like structure my week. Um, yeah. But I definitely have weeks where I do Auntie Doodles and then I have weeks where I do Brown Game Strong. And my problem is when I start something, I get really into it. So if I start Brown Game Strong, suddenly, like, I'm planning episodes, I am planning the future, I'm thinking of ways to make money, I'm thinking of ways to bring new guests. Really motivated. And I might do that for a few weeks at a time and just completely forget Auntie Doodles. So yeah. I kind of see it as um, I have different alter egos or, like, different personalities that kind of come to life at different times. And it's the only way I can stay sane. 
But trust me, it's all an illusion. I take so many naps. I do nothing all day a lot of the time. But it's just because certain things just got established at certain points in time. And so it kind of looks like we're doing a lot, well, in my case. But I'm not doing more than, you know, anyone else. It's more just like a lot of it is just like the social media life. And to be honest, in real life, I'm very different. You can ask any of my friends. They're just like... I mean, they, now they're a bit like, oh, yeah, you're doing a lot of illustration work and that's because I'm getting commissions. Um, but normally I'm just like chilling, watching loads of Netflix. <laughs> Living your best life. Dancing, yeah. Um, and at, at home I haven't been doing that much anyway. Um, with regards to what was the other question? The logistics of running, like getting guests on, patterning, oh, yeah. Brown Game Strong and Auntie Doodles, turning it into a profitable and, and investing an investing product regardless of if that's monetary or Mm. if that's personal yeah so um so with regards to managing well getting guests and stuff um i actually reached out to a lot of people when i knew i was going to be turning this into an interview podcast i had two months where i just sat down and i went through kind of almost like the lead conversion process so it was like you know I had my leads I had like the list of people I wanted to reach out to and I was very ambitious like I had you know I had people that uh, there's no way I could have reached out to or would have even checked my DM and then um but I I just put it anyway because I was like just be ambitious whatever like reach for the stars um but I had like a whole range of people so it wasn't for me it wasn't like oh let me get all the people with big platforms or like people who are famous because I want the clout like it was never really about that because I don't know them in person so it's like it would be a lot more uh just kind of robotic or like a bit harder to um have those conversations if you've not like if you don't already know them so I actually reached out to a lot of people that I already was friends with or that I had met through the community and what was really nice is over the years having gone to loads of classes and stuff I actually um I used to speak to people in class and I'd like make friends and just over time you get to know the community. And I've had times where people have been like, why the hell is she talking to everybody in the studio? Like, or who does she think she is? And I've had friends who thought this about me, but I knew I was doing it because a, because again, I I do like to meet people and I like, I do care, even though I'm quite introverted and I like to shut myself off um, for days on end, but I do like having deep conversations with people. And so I was able to reach people that way. And um, I always knew I wanted to build a brand some way or another I wanted to create something of my own and I knew that eventually I would need people I would need a community I would need someone to help like people to buy from me like at the time it was I want to build like a clothing brand and that was my five years ago that I wanted and so I was like I want to meet people so that when it comes to actually like trying to build that brand and market it I'll have people who already know me who will you know trust me um and so that thinking was already happening from years before and so now obviously like I never knew I'd start a podcast but when I did I was like okay like there are these people that I could reach out to to come on because they're really cool and they do all these awesome things and that's the thing with being part of the creative space is also people are doing amazing things (laughs) like people are incredible like I just it blows my mind sometimes to think about the fact that like I've met people in my life that are so cool um So, yeah, so it was very organic. And honestly, like the people that I already knew and I'd nurtured those relationships over time, they were the most responsive. They replied to me straight away. They were like, of course, it sounds amazing. They've been always supportive, always like, you know, sharing it and stuff. Not that I would be offended if they didn't. Um, I have been offended in the past. (laughs) We're all human. But, um, But yeah, so 
So that's been the best. And actually, like reaching out to people I don't know has been a lot harder. And I, I can sense that the conversations have been a lot like it takes some time to get yeah. into the rhythm of things. Um, having said that, I have always voice noted um, through DMs uh, because when you send a voice note with nothing else, chances are people will, will listen to it because they'll be like, what's this? Um, and I've had a lot of um, people reply through that who've not known me in the past. Um, over time, also, the, the page has grown to a point now where people look at it and they think, oh, this is quite cool. Like, let's let's listen to the message or whatever. Um, so I don't send emails. I just DM and I'll just mm. see what happens. And then I have an initial call with them. And it's like a proper podcast. Like we talk for an hour about life, just get to know each other. And then by that point, they're already comfortable with my style of talking and stuff. So when we do the recording, I'm just like, dude, you have nothing to feel nervous about. So I try to make them feel comfortable at all stages. I, I see it as a lead process and I've learned this from work, from consulting. You have actually, you, as, as I know, since I used to work in Deloitte with you. <clears throat> of course you did. <laughs> um, let's That's a whole other story. The best story ever for those of you who do not know, one day I will tell you. Let's talk about Auntie Doodles and how that came to be. Were you just literally one day doodling? And then you were like, oh, people call me Auntie, so I'm Auntie Doodles. Um, so that, that's that. And then that's the first question. And the second question is, what do you personally prefer when it comes to Auntie Doodles? Because I think Brown Game Strongs and Auntie Doodles are, though they're, they, they're very much you, but I don't know why the the they're very different brands and auntie doodles you get commissioned work sometimes you, you do things out of passion and i think it's it's it functions very differently to to brand game strong if i'm correct in saying yeah. so it, also what do you prefer um commission work or doing things for just passion such a tough one um <laughs> So I would definitely say I prefer doing things for passion and that's because I do them for the love of doing them and being in the moment. Yeah. Commission work is, I mean, you could ask any digital artist and it's, it's not fun. Um, you know, oh, really? you're, yeah, it's not like uh, it's more fun creating something that you really want to create. Um, sometimes it's fun. People give you really nice photos and you're like, you know, I, I love the whole process of interacting with the customer. And I experienced this when I started, um, off topic but I uh, when I did like web design work um, and I was complete that was the first like freelance thing I'd done for money and I realized how much I loved like the way their face lit up when they saw the website and when it went live and the way that they would hug me and just be really <laughs> happy you know and it's just like I don't get that fulfillment in my day job unfortunately because I work for a really big company yeah. and so I work with people who don't really care about what we're building that much half the time anyway um, so we're all kind of just getting on with it but what's really nice about auntie doodles is that like i get to see people being really happy and be like oh that's really cool but for example today i had a client who um so i finished a commission i sent it sent it to them like two days ago and they messaged me back today being like this looks nothing like the photo can you change it and i was like um okay i felt i never had that Sorry to interrupt, do you do the print and frame it and then like send it to them or do you send them first the digital version of it? So I do both. Um, I offer like 
whatever you really want to get right. printed on. Um, right now, I don't actually have like a supplier or, or whatever. So I do it all on the internet as well. So I'll use like a service like PhotoBox. It is a little bit pricier at the moment, um, yeah. but I think it'll, it'll get there with time. So that's one of the things I'm procrastinating on is getting suppliers to get these things done for me a little bit cheaper and more in bulk. Um, but what I do, usually it's all digital prints. Um, so I kind of do a digital high resolution print. I'll send it to them via WeTransfer. And then, yeah, that's it. And then they, if they want a canvas or um, if they want a print done, I recommend places to go for them, like that are the cheapest and like, you know, tried, tested, tried and tested, like good um, quality and everything. And they can go do it themselves. Or if they'd rather I do it for them, then they just give me their address and I just do it. So yeah, it's just like I've done mugs recently as well, which has been really fun to do. Can you um, do I've got Devani sent me, me Tower with Rai, which is in there. Devani is such a babe. She she sent yeah. me um, a mug as well with like a little brownie and strong thing on it. And it motivates me so much. So I always have it next to me whenever I'm like doing podcast stuff. Um, which one do I prefer? I like them both. How can you <laughs> choose between your babies? Um, I would definitely say like Brown Game Strong is a little more established. I mean, obviously yeah. it's still like growing, but it's really interesting because I had someone message. I, I do get sometimes like podcast people messaging me and being like, hey guys, like let's collab. Like your page is so cool. You guys are doing awesome stuff. And I'm like, I'm a gal. I'm not guys. <laughs> I'm one human being. and <laughs> I'm trying to do everything. Um, but I'm not complaining because I've chosen to do it as well. Yeah. So I'm really grateful um, that it's getting noticed and, um that people are enjoying it not that i try not to think about like the numbers but you have to after a certain point like unfortunately if you want to get more opportunities you do have to start thinking about kind of growth and in that sense because that's just how social media works how do you think about that by the way for somebody like even like myself i do this and i don't think about monetizing it at all but then i have people yeah. like you sometimes who give me advice on like i should do this or i should like in order to do this i should like maybe promote and do x y and z but how do you get to that space and do it you think time. and do you think you need it to do it like could you have just done it for the sake of just doing it without I think it depends on personal priorities so if you are looking for ways to make more money and if that is a priority for you then there there are opportunities and I think it's that whole thing of like it's such an illusion that there's only x amount we can make from something like I don't think there's a ceiling you yeah. can kind of just keep pushing and finding new opportunities getting like promotions for me um with regards to promotion so I've not really promoted the podcast apart from this anchor thing that I did recently um which is just like one click on the thing. So it didn't take very long to include that. But I had, for example, a company in the US reach out to me for Brown Game Strong to advertise their dating app. And it was a dating app that was solely based in the US. No, it was called Mochi. Okay. And they're advertising in a lot of places and they're really great, but they're based in the US. And most of us are based in the UK. Like the listener base is 80% of the UK because I can see the stats and the analytics. So why would I advertise a US-based platform to most of my UK listeners? It doesn't, mm. it's not authentic. And if I just did it for like, I don't know, 10 quid, 20 quid an episode, I'm just like, that kind of, that reduces that, um, you know, the, uh, the connection or the relationship that I have with my listeners. Yeah. I think they appreciate the fact that it's not riddled with adverts, to be honest. But if you know, there were to be um, an advert in the future that I include or like some kind of sponsorship. I'd want it to be something that I really like and that I use. 
So, Dishoom, if you're listening, <laughs> I will happily include you on in the podcast. Let's talk about the digital space which you now belong into. How do you find I know we briefly touched on this and you said it's a great medium to meet international people, it's a great way to connect and come across things, but how do you feel now you fit into it as a digital creative which both of your platforms are and what are your thoughts of the South Asian digital creative space? Honestly, they're so different. So if I were to look at Brown Game Strong, the podcast community is insanely friendly like people are so nice i think some of them are bitchy behind your back but it's okay um honestly though everyone wants to like collaborate work together i have one podcast that i ended up actually doing an illustration for the um cover art uh, which oh, wow. released yesterday and yes, i did that. that through i did that i did that through auntie doodles but i'm actually friends with them on brown game strong so it's like all really like mishmash together and um it's I think it's really cool because you never know where opportunities come from. Um, but the podcast space, honestly, I have, I have never met such friendly people um, who are technically competition. Um, you know, we met up for drinks, a few of us who have like three different South Asian platforms, four different platforms, and we all met for drinks after lockdown. And it was the weirdest thing because it felt like a first date, like none of us had met each other before. Um, but we'd all been talking and it, it was also during like clubhouse blowing up as well we'd all uh, sort of like spoken on that so it's so nice to be able to like connect and we're not besties but like we all support each other and we don't like each other's stuff all day long because let me be honest I don't have the energy to scroll social media anymore I just don't um so you know but we're there for each other and like we have each other on whatsapp like we'll always send each other advice or we'll just bitch about how hard editing is because Running a podcast is hard. Um, with Auntie Doodles, again, it's not as like face-to-face -face friendly. Like I don't actually know who a lot of the artists are because a lot of us don't share our personal faces on the pages. Yeah. But anytime someone wants a bit of advice, you can always reach out to them. Even the bigger pages, they'll always reply. They'll be like, oh, you should use this tool or you should do that with your thing or this is how you could be better. And so I honestly, like out of dance, podcast and art I would say podcasting was the friendliest then it was art and then it was dance and what are your thoughts um now how do you fit into the digital because you've answered that um how do you fit into this space then like where do you feel your belonging is or your your pillar is I'll be honest right I am I've always been a very insecure person like I I feel like I've always been very very average at everything like good in studies but like not great in like mm. extracurriculars or creative that was just how I felt growing up right and so when I entered like the dance space it gave me confidence to then explore other areas and now I literally see it as just I'm in my own lane yeah and I don't know if that sounds cocky or whatever but like just carve your own lane there's no competition because how many like how many people do you know in the community doing three or four different things you will know some but yeah. not loads like the crowd keeps decreasing as you start going further and paving that path and it's not because i want to be great or like special or whatever it's because i'm so scared that i'm going to be crap if i try and go dance full-time or if i try and do illustration full-time because there's a million other people who are better than me but I can just do my own thing, you know? I yeah. can be like happily average in like a few different things. So I feel like that's where I stand. And that's also why I felt the need to create a website for my own personal brand because I realized that 
a lot of people who buy from me, who do like buy the auntie doodles and stuff, it's because they know me. Like 90% yeah. of the people are people who are like, oh, Mitali does this, so let me reach out. And so even though my face isn't really shown on that page that much, it is usually my friends who go to that or who are like, oh, you know, can you do this for me? And yeah, it's, it kind of worked out that way. If you take away <laughs> your support of your family, friends, I love asking this question, by the way, uh, <laughs> because you know why I ask this. Um, if you take away the support of your family, your friends, your circle around you, your grit, your personality as a person, and I know you've had hurdles, but if you take a lot of those things away that make us who we are, would you continue to do what you are doing today? <laughs> no. No. No, because um, the reason being that my friends and family are the ones that have given me the confidence. Once I've started something, they've been the ones that have like been my pillar and encouraged me to keep going. They're like, don't worry, you're doing amazing. <laughs> and I think if I didn't have that genuinely, I would have been like, oh, this is bullshit. Like, I wouldn't have continued. Uh, like, genuinely, this is, I don't know what I would have done, <laughs> to be honest. So if I didn't have friends and family, then... It's confusing. Like, what what would you do if you don't have anyone around you? I mean, hey, you got to think What's about What's the that. best answer you've gotten, by the way, in this? I'm curious. Lots of people have said no. But lots of, I'd say, like, about 80, 80 to 85% of people have said no. Only two people have said yes because they have said that they haven't had the support of their family. They haven't had the support of their friends. They've suffered lots of setbacks, and they're still continuing to do what they love to do because they've tried other things and it doesn't make them happy. So this yeah. is where they are, which I do think like in, in your way, I think your family is very understanding and you're, you have a very supportive friend group, but you've, you've gone through stuff in regards to where you talk about it on your podcast, like about 48 jobs said no to you in your interview phase, or you just didn't get to the next phase. And you've had negative experiences in dance and I'm sure through being in the digital space, but you're persevering and you're continuing to do what you're doing. But yes, I, I find it interesting always where it, it's interesting that being creative, the, main things that we need are support and if and confidence and if you take those things away you have a very very rocky foundation yeah. which yeah there's very few people in the world i think who have the courage to keep going even when they don't have any support yeah. um you know you think of like those pioneers like the crazy people back in the day who like invented all these laws of like i don't know like relativity and all this stuff. Oh my God, I, I, should, I should know more physics than this. But people didn't believe them at the time. Yeah. They're like, you're crazy. This is not real. Like the world is obviously flat. But you know what? Like I, I know from, for a fact that I am very, very self-critical. And when you're a creative, um, you are making something that doesn't exist. It's coming out of nowhere. Obviously you're taking inspiration from places, but when you create something that doesn't exist, you're going to be like, well, how is this? Like, what does this mean? Like, what? it's confusing, you know? You're just like, is this going to be perceived well? Yeah. And I'm definitely someone who's very afraid of, like, what people think and stuff. And you say, like, you know, I I'm very fortunate. I've had, like, such a good pillar of support from mainly from family, but also from inc incredible friends. But I've also... Um, I've also cultivated friendships um, that I know are going to benefit, like are going to support me. So I've sort of like slowly kind of 
gone away from people who don't and you can tell people who are kind of bitching behind your back like it's kind of obvious yeah um, not always but I I, I can tell because <laughs> I, I think maybe sometimes I'm a bit paranoid and I feel like everyone hates me when this <laughs> is the case but um I think yeah it's just it's also a choice like who you want to surround yourself with and who you want um kind of giving you that energy constantly you know and usually it's people who aren't in your lane that support you the most because they're like whoa like you're so cool yeah. and because it's so alien to them that they're just like I don't care about it but like do you kind of thing you know um so yeah you did a episode which happened last year after the the powerful movements that arose in um from the structure that was based there by Black Lives Matter and you guys talked about that plus being South Asian um being an ally you talked about what was the word oh my god uh, performative performative, yeah. performative support versus like actual support what work you can do um you guys also talk about like links and how to educate yourself how to reach out to people my following questions are does one need to go through things to to be able to relate to it so it it boils down to sympathy versus empathy and you also said that you had opposite reviews there was a guy who reached out to you in regards to kashmir and you guys made a beautiful point but i would say that you me fazana and like a couple of the other girls had a meeting a catch up last year and i would be one of those people that championed for the fact that every south asian person who has a specific amount of following i was challenging some of those people that i knew personally because i was like it's great that you're standing up for such a movement but what about the things that are close to our home i've never seen anything and some people who I know personally I'll be like I've never seen you discussing or talking about those things publicly and yet you rather go and support something like even the things that are happening in Syria or things that happen with the farmers right or the covid crisis we I would say the same response wasn't received or welcomed um mm. and people still yet continue to talk about so yeah talking yeah. talk about those things So I don't think you have to have gone through something to empathize with a community that's struggling. Um there are a lot of struggles in the world and to be honest if you tried to think about every single one your brain would explode because <laughs> this world is a horrible place. But anyway, <laughs> the reason why it feels so horrible now is not because it's more horrible than it used to be. It's because we now have this thing called the internet, right? So we have access to totally. information and take Sabina Nessa, right? Yeah. Most um most recent a horrible thing we've heard in the news. For those who don't know, um she was a female very my age, Bengali, like I could put myself in her shoes basically. Yeah. Walking around about 8:30 in a park and um her body was found like 2 days later or something. It's horrific and like literally sends chills down my spine. Um but we are so desensitized right as well when we read these things because you're just like, "Oh, it's awful." And then you move on to like watching Netflix and having dinner. as yeah. if nothing happened the next second. So that for me hit home extra hard because I was like that could have been me. I can see myself in her and I illustrated her as well because I was you like did, that right? the, I don't know it was something right it really got me. But it doesn't mean that like Sarah Everard's story was like any less um horrific. Maybe it wasn't as relatable for me, but again, it was relatable in the sense that she's a female and I'm a female and you know 
Um, so there's layers to it. I think you can always empathize. You can always raise awareness. Um, no awareness is too much awareness. Mm. Um, during like last year, VLM, I have very, very weird, I have weird um, feelings about how I behaved last year. And um, because I, I chose to share a lot and I chose to post a lot and, you know, I was really passionate and it was because I am an empath and I care and I'm like, oh my God, like this is affecting this community. Oh my God, like it's human beings that are being hurt. Yeah. But I think statistically, when you think about the problems happening in the world, like there are definitely other things as well that are happening on a very large scale that you don't hear about in the news that don't get circulated, such as uh, the issues in Myanmar, for example, mm -hmm or um, the Uyghur Muslims in uh, China who were yeah. getting sent to concentration camps. These were some of the few, or the farmers' protests. Like, so many things have happened in the last year. It is performative, like a million percent performative. I was performative. I did it, and I was like, but I don't even have very many black friends. I've got some black friends at work. But it's just like, I can't relate, right? And I messaged them all, and I was like, how are you doing it? I was just like, what do I do? I feel so, like, fake. Mm. But, but I felt like at the time it was necessary to, to do that fake showy thing because it, it shows that we are there like yeah. okay, we don't talk about it every single day you know my, my personal page is not about talking about political issues because I mean I also got unfollowed like left right and center after oh. that um which is fine but it's like obviously people were probably like what the hell but you know what it's a personal choice and um in that episode we also discussed like we had differing opinions so did, one of yeah. us had shared more the other hadn't um, what's most important is how you're behaving in your vicinity, like around your parents, the conversations you're having with them, um, with your family, with your friends, the kind of debates you're having. Um, when something is racist or wrong, you call them out. Those are the things that are important. What is seen on social media is just performative. Like, yes, if you have a page of, I don't know, a million followers or something and you're sharing this, I think you, you do have a, I don't know if you have a responsibility, but it will definitely make a big impact if you talk about these issues, because people mm -hmm. will feel seen and heard. Yeah. Excuse me. And also people who don't know about it will hear about it. So, um, yeah, I think it's a personal choice, but ultimately it's about being a better human being inside. And I mean, I was racist when I was growing up. We all are with Desi. Like, yeah. Which Desi isn't racist growing up. Like that's all we know. Yeah. But, um, but now I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying to be better every single day and I'm probably not perfect, but we're getting there. We are into the game section. Oh, that was a, such a beautiful place to end it. It's such a weird thing to switch to this, but we're gonna switch to it. The games are called Super Child, play with Rai. So you sip your chai if you don't want to answer, but you play okay. with Rai if you want to answer. Guess, guess what I have in my mug? Nothing. It's funny. I have char. Okay, funny. this is easy. Quickly, rapid fire round. Okay, ready? Go. If you were a movie, what would the title of that movie be? Little Brown Girl in a Confused World. In <laughs> a Confused World. That's a long title. What would the storyline be? Little Brown Girl feels very confused all the time, thinks she's very mediocre, still tries to do stuff and still cares about people and just wants to be happy. <laughs> you sound like, you know, Mean Girls? Oh my God, just, yeah. That's, what, that's, want, that's where I got it. I just want, just want to eat cake. What was it? Just want everyone to just smiles and cupcakes and just be happy. Hey, who would star in Little Brown Girl? My mum and dad, for sure. Okay. Um, me, uh, a dog. Like, I okay. love dogs. Probably okay. you. Probably Devani. Um, 
Anissa, yeah. Hamim, Trish. Maybe Anissa, Hamim. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah bring them all. Okay. No, my, part of my life. No yeah. star, yeah? No star. Okay. What would the title song be of this movie? Ready? In four, three, two, one. Sing it. Mera dil pagal ho I don't know, it'd be some kind of English-Hindi fusion, like, you know, I'm feeling so exotic, like um, Priyanka Chopra's. Oh, I'm getting down, I'm so excited. Or like, in my city, but I'd be like, in my feelings. If you were a fashion trend or a clothing item, what would you be? Palazzo pants. Oh, okay. Airy, oh. airy and no chafing. Mm, okay. Um, if you were a food, what would you be, which you're going to have in a bit? Funny booty. Pani Puri. If you were a dessert, what would you be? Kheer with a bit of chocolate and Nutella in it and walnuts. Because we brown and we Asian and we Western, you know, got to make Is Nutella Spanish, by the way? Nutella is Italian. Italian, okay. Um, if you were a drink, what would you be? Coke Zero. <laughs> or or Nibu Pani, actually. Oh, a Masala Coke. I'm a Masala Coke. Masala Coke. If you were and a plant... It smells like sulfuric. Dude, we can go dishu when you come back. You know how I used to be anti-dishu? people hate masala coke and I love it. People are like, oh, it smells like a poo. And I'm like, no, it's, well, it kind of does, but it tastes good. It tastes, poo's good for you. Exactly. <laughs> if you were a plant, what plant would you be? Oh, I'd be my plant, Jerry. He's a monstera. Oh, he's plant. And he's like taking over the whole flat. Okay. I haven't been to the flat in a while. I should come. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, yes, I, yeah. if you were a color, what color would you be? I'd be purple. Deep uh, purple. Deep purple. Uh, best and worst slash most overrated and underrated. Best and worst advice given and taken. Quickly. Uh, best advice, uh, live, laugh, love. Uh, sorry, worst. That was the worst advice. Best advice is um, you only live once or live in the moment. Uh -huh. um, taken. What's the Oh, that was given. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. One is taken. Uh, so Okay, I'm, I miss, I did not understand that. It's okay. So, live, laugh, laugh was the worst advice I've ever heard. Um, you only live once is the best advice I've heard and taken on myself. Um, live in the moment from the power of now, which I recommend everybody read because it's a life changer. Uh, best advice I've given, I give shit advice, especially relationship advice. I said which I used best to give advice, when... best, just say best. Okay, uh, best advice I've ever given. Oh, um, my friend called me today and she was really panicky about work. And I was just like, dude, you're going to die eventually. So just do that job application for a new job. <laughs> also, you don't have any kids, so it's fine. You're not, no one's depending on you. Just go live your life. Dude, you're going to die. So <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> best, oh, what? I'm going to try and get you into trouble, by the way, if you haven't noticed. There is no party in your chai. You will answer this. Best and worst choreography you have ever danced to. Ooh, okay. Let's go. Um, worst choreography I've ever danced to is probably the TikTok. Oh, okay. You know that? Yeah. yeah. Um, best choreography I've ever danced to, I think, well, I'm quite biased, but it was mine and Trisha's from Ranja, which was actually... Oh, uh, the recent huge. one. I don't do semi-classical and I helped choreograph that. And I was like, what is going on? Cool. <laughs> but it was, yeah, one of the prettiest. I thought it was Ranja, but like Ranja, Ranja, no, 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 no. No, it was not Ranja, Ranja. It was Ranja. the, no, no. Ranja. Which, no. by the way, is the most depressing song. If you listen to the translation, there's no happy second in that whole song. By the way, um, can I see a version of it just in entire black and white? I thought it should have stayed in black and white. 
Yeah, maybe next time. It goes with the theme now. Um, we had a rainbow though. Anyway, it so. did. I like I like the color version, but I would like to also see a black and white. I thought the second slide was going to be that. Um, best and worst shoot or show you have ever done. <sighs> okay, worst shoot or show I've ever done. Oh my gosh. Okay, so one Diwali performance. Uh, when I was a kid, I literally it was. I think I did. Um, I did. I Cushy, 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 and it was the most horrific. It was just the worst choreography, like the worst outfit. Like we were basically it. trying to be sexy, and we were like eight years old and like chubby. Like you could see my belly, and like no, no offense. To, obviously, it's not a bad thing, but like when I was a kid, I was just like, this is very inappropriate. And what else? Best. Just, yeah, best, best choreography. Oh, best shoot I've ever done. Or show. Or like show. Uh, okay, it would have to be. Diwali on the square with Krupa because that was a lifelong dream of mine. Best or worst costume? Worst costume? Uh, cushy. I mean, do you want me to say something more recent? No, you uh, can say what is cushy that you have worn, not like somebody else. By the way. Yeah, yeah. That one. Um, yeah, I think it was when I was doing Diwali. I don't think I've had a bad costume as a grown up. <laughs> I always have great so, costumes. Exactly. Oh, I make them look great. <laughs> Best or uh, most overrated and underrated actor? Okay, overrated actor, Saban Khan, by far. Underrated actor, um, Aditya Roy Kapoor. Aww. Um, best or uh, most overrated or underrated TV show, theatre or film? I'm here, I'm just putting the, um, okay. the tables on. Um, overrated show, Friends. Um, I like Friends, but... Mithali, thank you for coming. Bye now. <laughs> Bye. This was my whole plan. No, um, I think, no, I do think Friends is a little bit overrated. It's great, but it's overrated. Um, and then what was underrated show? Um, what's it called? Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek is so good. Oh my God, David. 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 Alexis. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, la, 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 Or when la. Moira is, <laughs> Moira, when she's like, ah. Or when she's like, hello, oh, Danny boy. Oh, bebe, when she's like, bebe. What happened to bebe? Or when she orders tea from Twyla and she's like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I miss her so much. No There's this again. guy I'm going to send you. He does Moira parodies. He's a writer and a director and an actor, but he literally does Moira okay. things all the time. Um, best or worst <laughs> artist? This can be music. This can be digital, whatever. Almost Whoa. overrated and underrated. Let's do that. Overrated, underrated. Uh... Overrated artist? There's oh, that's really hard. There's several. I'll say Melvin Lewis, just because I've heard too much shit about him. Um, underrated. <laughs> Himanshu Dulani. By the way, choreographer, dancer, teacher is next. Okay, fine. Well, I've done so, that one now. Yeah, um, so now I do artist. Okay, artist. So overrated me, because, yeah, I can do that. Um, underrated, I would definitely say... Oh, there's so many. I literally, I can like send you a list. Um, artists, artists, artists. Mm, name some artists for me. I think, um, I mean, ZHK Designs by far, because she's struggling to grow her page, but she's amazing. She's overrated, I agree. <laughs> no, underrated ZHK. <laughs> underrated, um, she's my gal. Most uh, best and worst guest you have had on your show? <laughs> oh no, all my guests are, look. Guests are Bhagwan, okay? I can't say this. Just best um, and worst. Okay, best, um, Tina Mystery. She's okay. a psychologist, she's incredible. She was so, so insightful and soft-spoken and just, yeah. 
Um, and then un overrated. Um, no, it's not overrated. It's worse. Oh, bad. Bad. Let's bad. just say bad instead of worse. Well, you, when you come on my podcast, and you are <laughs> taking the pit I haven't right come now. on yet, so don't say me. Come on. Um, I can't. Um, I love them all. I don't okay. think a bad one. Be, be honest. Let's just say be honest. Is there a worst guest that you have had? Mm. Just wink. Just wink. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there is. There's a, there's a ranking, of course. <laughs> No, well, but gonna... worse in the sense that... Um, no, you don't need to explain. I... We're going to end it there. <laughs> end it there. <laughs> Best and worst it's job. It's obviously like a... <laughs> Best and worst it's job so you have ever had. Best and worst job. Yeah. Um, okay, worst job was probably... Oh, gosh. It was a project I was on like three years ago, but that's a whole cancer other podcast. Research? No, <laughs> it was not cancer research. Um it was it was a Deloitte project that I did, oh. but it was horrific, and it required working with U.S. people, and they were not fun to work with. Um, sorry if anyone's from the U.S., but Deloitte U.S., if you're listening, we don't like you. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> no, Your no, job is in jeopardy if you do. Shit <laughs> I'm like kidding. This. I'm kidding. It's not the case. Um, no, I think um, it was just certain individuals which were really hard to work with um, in that project. Um, best job that I've ever worked on has been any job with Auntie Doodles is um, not always fun as a process, but so rewarding. And it's okay, fun. cool. Um, top three advices you would give to anybody to grow their business and top three that they shouldn't do? You know, I'd love to hear advice because I've not grown like loads or anything, but I would definitely say consistency. Um, I had a period when I went, um, kind of started doing BGS to, uh, alone. Um, yeah. Um, I basically started posting every single day for like 30 days or something and the page doubled in size. Yeah. So um, consistency and that's it. Like literally just be consistent. That's it. No three. Okay. Anything that they should have done. Oh wait, sorry. Avoid? Do I need three? Okay. So another one would be um, just be yourself and um, just remember that your reputation follows you around. Okay. Um, you never know who you're going to end up working with and people talk. So, and then the third one would be just enjoy the process. Life is short. You're going to die. So <laughs> just enjoy. Okay. Any things that they should avoid? Three things that one should avoid. Three things to avoid. Um, comparison. Do not look around you too much. Uh, number two, um, burning out or like not taking breaks. So definitely take breaks. Take five months off if you need to. Um, number three, trying to do everything by yourself because it's not possible always. This section is called, what would you rather? I'm going to name yeah. you some friends, okay? And give you a scenarios and you have to choose between them. Who would you rather? Okay. Who would you rather go on a all-year, all-inclusive, VIP, Sindhi Association supported tour around the world selling laddus? Anissa or Hameem? Anissa. Hameem's so annoying. <laughs> Love you, Hameem, but you're annoying. Remember the next names. Rhea, Trisha, Naomi, Tina, Krupali, Pallavi. I just love saying Pallavi. What Diksha, are you going to make me do? Diksha, Gori, Asha, Aisha, Tanvi, Shaz, Ranu, Dinusha. Out of all of these, who are the three people you would choose to write a book on how to date and what red flags to avoid? <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna do. Um, okay. Do I need to shout the names again? Are you okay? Danusha. Okay, Danusha. I will say Ria. 
Rhea. She's got an eclectic life. And, um, <laughs> what does that mean? I think it's just a fun life. <laughs> okay. Like I would write yeah, a book. She's on holiday right now, living it up. Uh, exactly. She's like, uh, who else? Okay, um, Tandy. Tandy. Because she's in Stanford living her best life and I want to hear about old stories. <laughs> I'm here for that. Stanford, wow. I'm here for that. Yeah. All right. Collabs edition, rank these in order from best to worst. You have okay. collaborated with Gordy, mm -hmm. Trisha twice, Aisha. Twice, oh yeah. Okay. Aisha multiple times, I'd say twice as well, but like, let's just count. Govind, Devani, um, you did the Chash, Chash, Chashma, Nikita, and then mine. Wait, which one with Nikita? Uh, the real. That oh, you're yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So out of those, um, wait, let's just, let's just count Aisha and Trisha as one, just for now. Okay. Um, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine collabs. Okay. Rank them from best to worst. Why would you do this to me? From top to bottom. Who's at the top? Let's go from the bottom. Let's go from the bottom. Or should we go from bottom? the top? Let's go from the top. There's no bottoms. Can I have like maybe two or three that I clumped together? Yeah, that's fine but they'll be at the bottom anyway so let's go from the top which one's at the top Remember. can i say my favorites that's it can i just no, name three then, favorites because then the rest i'm just gonna say they're shit okay you can assume that let me name no, three favorites no, let's go from the top gory okay, trish aisha Govind, <clears throat> divani me just jashma nikita okay um i would say aisha um, at the top first yeah igodin hit 10 million views which is like insane i hope she's made money from that um but not that we're about the numbers but that was really fun and the skirts yeah but that's the first most... thing you say you yeah i mean obviously 10 million dude but also the skirts were the coolest things i've ever worn so just for that mainly right. um i would say my second one was govind loved the outfits again i think i keep thinking of like the aesthetic yeah um so yeah the one with govind um loved the one with Corey. that was probably my that one and trisha's one with um yeah, similar. So Gori and Trisha is one with the semi-classical ones that we did. Um, and then what, what was left? Devani. Jashma, Devani, Nikita, mine. Oh yeah, okay. So Devani and then yours and then Nikita's, which was just like a real, and then Jashma was like a big thing anyway, so. Jashma's at the bottom. That means everybody on the bottom is shit. You guys, yeah, so guys, you suck. Step <laughs> up your game. Okay. <laughs> Next, See, not true. this is a long, long list of people because you have, I tried to stalk your friends on Instagram and there's a lot of people on there. So I don't know who's your best friends other than the people. Priya Patel, Arya Mehta, Niha Khat, Puna Thakkar, Prerna Dheer, Fatima Jamshed. Who's Prerna Dheer? I don't know. She was on your instant card. Prerna Kemlani. Well, maybe that's a married name. Okay, okay. Fa Fatima, Arancha, Shivani. Out of all okay. of those, who would you spend a day from 9am till 10pm binge eating, binge watching Netflix, then followed by a night of full raving till 7am the next day? Okay, I'm going to say Priya because she has a baby and I feel like she needs the rave. But also, I will get to hang with her baby too, as well as her. I'm here for it. So, yeah. All right. Lame two things. Out of which of the teachers and the people who have choreographed on you, would you not 
like to have on the show Brown Game Strong and do a digital illustration of and of you. all <laughs> and out of all of them who 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 would you just okay. one one um, each one each so who would you not like to and who would you like to for both Brown Game Strong and Auntie Doodles you because you're mean you're always like oh be coy be coy okay so you <laughs> i will not work with <laughs> okay fine. Just kidding okay but who would i work with um lena maybe i am so sorry to interrupt again but we were just doing the section which is called sip a chai and play with rai and in the game sections of the show there are some segments which are visual so it would not have made sense on podcast form so if you would like to watch any of the visuals <laughs> or the video simply go to youtube and just type in chai with rye to find the relevant episode also i will link everything in the bio or the description below but without further ado let's get back to the end of the show what words of wisdom would you say to yourself today if you looked in the mirror go quickly you're perfect as you are don't worry about what people think you're going to die <laughs> i think the only thing i take away you know how you do sound bites i'm going to do that You're going to die. Listen, okay, if you can't be confident, you got to pretend to be confident. That's a good one. All right. Um peaks and valleys is a question I ask all my guests and it would be right if I didn't ask you a peak represents a high point of your personal and professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? A valley is a low point of your personal and professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? Cool. Okay. So a peak in my life was I think just like creating brand and strong and anti doodles and dance and all of that stuff i think that's just been a big high um what i've learned from that is that i can do things i set my mind to and if i can then anybody can and i just have to keep going there's no limit basically there's no ceiling as to how much you can achieve um my trough or valley was um during my uni course um yeah. i was terrible freaking terrible at my degree and um I went from basically being like a super nerdy kid in school to like not doing very well in uni and like struggling with it mentally. What I learned from that is that you can overcome anything if you persevere. If that's what you want to do, but if you want to quit at the right time, then quit at the right time and you're not a loser either. What did you get? Two one I didn't quit. But what did you get? Two one first. Well, we don't disclose this information. I got a <laughs> distinction. Thank hey. you very much. I didn't, but um but yeah. I think that's that's, that's that. what I learned. All right. Um what does the future hold? What's new for you? What you know, if I haven't said this before people go follow M Dog Auntie Doodles Brown Game Strong. Go listen to Brown Game Strong. Get your yeah. life. Yeah, definitely check out Brown Game Strong and Auntie Doodles. I don't do much on my personal page, so you don't have to follow that. Um but what was sorry, what was the question? What does the future hold? Oh, I have some exciting guests on the horizon and people that I want to bring on that no one would have ever imagined. So hopefully that will happen in the next couple of years. Um and monetizing start starting to monetize a substantial amount from the side hustles would be amazing. You have a beautiful question which you ask everybody on your podcast Brand Game Strong. Um and I would like to ask that of you out of respect. Um what do you think? is your strength in being brown so your brown came strong and what do you think you could work harder or improve on to be stronger for your brown game firstly you've shown no respect during these rapid fire questions so i don't know where this is coming from but 
I have strong game. Firstly, if I didn't yeah. show respect to you, I would do the whole like one to eight talent, like everything. Okay. Now I, I have you, more incriminating guys. data in like from your birthday. I have incriminating oh, data. Oh gosh, I'm so glad there's not enough time for that. Um, but no, thank you. Firstly, for just having me on. I think it's been lovely. But um, yeah, thing I have strong game in. I would say um, I care about individuals. I don't like people, but I like individuals. <laughs> you know, I like DNCs. Um, but yeah, I also hate people overall when they're being really crap, like when they're stealing petrol and stuff. Um, but I think I also have strong game in just persevering and, you know, pushing past the fear. I have a lot of fears, like all the time. My brain is always hammering at me, telling me I'm not good enough. And just kind of pushing past that every day. Sometimes I don't manage. Um, and I succumb to it. That's okay. Um, and yeah, that's it. Something I could be better in, which I also are, uh, discipline and time management. <laughs> it's probably my biggest problem. How did you but, get this job at Deloitte? I mean, no, I, I basically I'm very um, lastmin.com. So yeah. I'm a machine two days before a deadline. So I'm actually really, really good at my job. Just very late <laughs> in the game sometimes. And since the show is called Chai with Rye, what is your favorite type of chai? Pani. Just Pani. No. My favorite chai is Adrakwali masala chai with lots of cardamom and cinnamon and black pepper. Subkuch, you know, just stick Sub it all in. Rose water. The most masala is you could make it. But okay. But that cool. doesn't make sense, but yeah, you got you get me. Well, everyone, that brings us to an end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guests for their time. Again, to mention, Chai with Rai is a pre-recorded live show, so to watch any of the videos from the show, simply go to YouTube and type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love, because isn't that what we want at the end of the day, some love? Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here thank you again and as i always say breathe in breathe out now must go which means now i must go i own that that is copyrighted and i will sue <laughs> okay have a great one and stay curious till next time